Have you ever had figgy pudding? I'm not even sure what it is. I know when they say pudding, most of us Americans think of those little cups of chocolate or whatever, like you, you get a little pudding yeah. pre-made. But figgy pudding, isn't that, that's an old English thing. It's probably got raisins in it, uh, maybe breadcrumbs. Sure. I'm looking at it right now. Christmas figgy pudding typically includes breadcrumbs, uh-huh. eggs, brown sugar, raisins. Hey, I'm good. It's, it sounds more like a fruit cake of some sort. But it's it's soft. Like a pudding. Yes. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 23 Podcast. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's the figgy from? Oh, by the way, that was Father That was Father Michael. This is Herb Weber. Uh, I'm not a priest. Let's be okay, very, you are Michael, and I'm Father Herb. We'll be very clear on that. Okay. Uh, um, what is the figgy from? It says here, figs have never actually been an official ingredient, but they are included from time to time inspiring the well-known name along the way. Last year, I was, I, I want to say I was at Meyer, but I'm not sure. And I found this like gift package that you could, you know, when you walk in and you don't have any idea what you're going to get and yeah. there's jumps out at you. Yeah. And it was a, an assortment of uh, foods for Christmas. And it did include some figs. But what I really remember is dates. Do you like dates? I love dates. You're not allowed to go on dates. Not that kind of date. Oh. <laughs> so uh, I remember buying it, not to give to anybody else. I ate it all myself. It was over <laughs> a period of a couple of weeks. So it was well after New Year's. I went back to see if there were any leftovers, and there weren't. Tis <laughs> <laughs> the season. No problem. I was just wondering, that James Corden, I don't know, James Corden. Well, sure, James Corden. He was he talking does about the, uh, the drive around uh, karaoke or Yeah, whatever. carpool karaoke. Yeah. Uh, he was talking about Figgy Pudding. You know, he's from Britain. Right. Um, so anyway, good times. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Now bring us some Figgy Pudding and bring it right here. But before we get to Christmas, we must finish Advent. So That's what do we're that. doing. So I don't, don't worry about Figgy Pudding. Not yet. <laughs> no, just uh, the fourth candle of your advent wreath this week. okay so we are on uh the fourth sunday which is december 20th already yeah by the way we have ended up with two advent wreaths at our house and i find it to be very cumbersome that's a lot of fire on my table i'm just <laughs> just throwing it out there. is there a reason you have two well we have the one that we normally have yes and then we also have the one that um we made for 23 home but I thought that was uh, those little electric lights. No, they're like votive candles, but yeah. they're, they're actual candles. Oh, they're actual candles. Oh, yeah. I thought they were the ones with the little switch on the bottom. No, no, they're, they're legit fire. So we've got, at this point, six candles going on eight, soon to be eight, burning on our table every And you night. have a fire extinguisher It's nearby. very safe with children. <laughs> Emery goes to blow it out, and, you know, she's got long hair, and I'm always, pull your hair back, pull your hair back. She'll learn. Anyway. Okay, now we almost got into Luke's gospel, and then suddenly we diverted over to the, this the is puppet's really, household. It's becoming counseling, really. Yes. Okay, let me tell you something. Are you listening? I'm listening. Two weeks ago, the gospel for the second Sunday, actually the first Sunday as well, first and second Sundays, the gospel was from Mark. Last week, the gospel was from John. This week, the gospel reading is from Luke. Poor Matthew. And Well, wait a minute. Oh. Uh the Christmas Christmas readings are Luke, but then when we get to Epiphany, which is January this year, January third, yeah, it's Matthew. 
So all four Gospels have their hand in the, the telling of the Epiphany story, the Christmas story. I mean, not the Epiphany, the Nativity story. I knew what you meant. Yes. So it's very exciting. And when we get to the fourth Sunday, it is the Lord is nigh. The coming of the Lord is here. And we have the wonderful story. We call it the Annunciation, where the angel Gabriel appears to Mary. So mm-hmm. would we like to read it, wouldn't we? We would like to read it. Okay, why don't, you know what? You read so well. Why don't you read uh, up to the word, but Mary said to the angel. I'll, I'll, I'll pick up at that point. Okay. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said, and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. This is great. You're supposed to say, Praise to you, Lord oh. Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm I'm changing the mass texts. <laughs> okay, this from is now great. on we will say this, this is, is great. great. Okay, this is the wonderful setting. This is nine months before Christmas. Yeah, this year it's only four days before Christmas or five days. Sure, four days before Christmas Eve, but it's the whole story of the angel. Now, there's so much to be said. Obviously, uh, the role of Mary. Of, obviously is quite important. Mm-hmm. You know, John the Baptist comes up on two Sundays during Advent, but Mary on one Sunday, but it is in a major, major way, the role of Mary. The um, the words of the angel, hail full of grace, which we read, by the way, last week for the Feast of Immaculate Conception sure. on Tuesday of last week. The whole image of do not be afraid, Mary. I mean, when all this stuff is coming out, you're going to have a child. God's the father. Uh, he's going to be great, going to change the world. But don't be afraid. <laughs> by the way. Yeah, by the way, yeah. I love the part where Mary finally just says, okay, I don't get it, but let it be done. And in Latin, that last line, may it be done to me according to your word. Let it be done in Latin is one four-letter word, fiat, F-I-A-T. Mm-hmm. Not the car. Not the car. By the way, did you ever hear that joke? 
No. I don't know why I'm laughing. It might not even be funny. It's not funny, but <laughs> it's, it's supposed to be, but you have to know several languages to get it. Okay. Yeah, like, why, why did Mary ride the, ride the donkey to Bethlehem? I don't know. Because she had given her fiat to the angel. Oh. Uh, uh, don't worry. He's here all week, folks. <laughs> you know, I was thinking as I was reading this and as you were reading the second part, how cool is this? I mean, one, one baby would have been great news, right? Or news. Maybe it wasn't great news as she was trying to internalize what was actually happening. But here's two great things that are happening. It's kind of like having two Advent wreaths at your house. Two are always better than one. <laughs> Unless your second daughter's hair gets in the flames. Exactly. But yeah, it's like God lavishes love and blessings and grace upon us. And just when we think, wow, this couldn't get any better. But wait, there's more. And Elizabeth is going to have a child now, as well. Scripturally, it's very, very, very common that someone who is of great stature has something usual, unusual has taken place before they were born. It's from the moment of conception. Go back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, uh, we hear how Abram, Mm -hmm. who becomes Abraham, and Sarai, who becomes Sarah, are old, and they were had been promised by God to be the, the ancestors of great nation. They said, "How can this be? We don't even have a child." Mm-hmm. But eventually, they do bear a child. This happens as Samson, you know, Samson, one of the uh, judges, the the strong man. Mm-hmm. Uh, his birth was unusual. This happens over and over again in throughout the scriptures. And so we have the story of Elizabeth. We have the story uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah. By the way, that's also in the same chapter. So we're reading from chapter one of Luke's gospel, but if you go, it's starting on verse 26, but if you go back to the first 25 chapters, uh, verses, you'll hear the story of Zechariah in the temple mm-hmm. and that he was struck dumb because he refused to believe. Poor guy. I know. If I had a nickel yeah. for every time that happened to me. That you, you failed to believe and so you couldn't talk? <laughs> Actually, he, he was still talking with somebody had pushed the, the mute button on, on Zoom. <laughs> wow, you've really brought this into the 21st century. Well, I, I just got off a Zoom Bible study. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, contained within this passage, too, is so much that we hold dear in our Catholic faith about why we um, honor Mary in the way that we do, correct? You know, the, the angel saying, hail, full of grace, that the Lord is with you. Well, she was a vessel. She became the vessel. Which is more important, the vessel or what the vessel contains? And over the years, the vessels of something important also became very ornate. Mm. You know, so even think of a a chalice in church. If you ever go to an art museum and they have a a display of, of religious art, you see these incredible chalices, maybe from the Middle Ages or... Renaissance time. A few years ago, there was a, a traveling exhibit of the Vatican Museum art, and I went down to Cincinnati to see it. Oh, yeah? it, it was really quite interesting. And, you know, I'm not, I'm kind of an ordinary person, but you look at these chalices, you know, they had rubies and diamonds and everything inserted, mm. and it was the best gold that they plated that they could have. So the chalice itself was a work of art mm-hmm. because of what it bore inside, which was the, the Eucharist, mm-hmm. the presence of the Lord. Mary is the chalice. And so she's a work of art herself because she's bearing Jesus. 
And, um, you know, in many ways, even more so because her own physical body gave birth to Jesus, but he inherited her DNA, you know. So I'm sure they didn't talk about DNA in the time of Gabriel. Sure. Uh, but it was all there. So it's really an amazing, amazing thing. But I want to use a little bit different metaphor. I want to use the metaphor of David. The first reading from this coming Sunday is King David. And David says, God, I am living in this really splendid place, and you're, we have the Ark of the Covenant still out there in a tent. I think I should build your house. And God says, oh, David, I'm going to build you a house. And then he goes on to say, the one who is to come, the great king, namely the Messiah, will be of the house and lineage of David. So God builds a house out of David when David says he should build a house for Jesus, or for, for God, for the ark. Mm -hmm. And they, they felt the ark was the presence of God. So here in the gospel, it's that same image. And there's a reference to David. Uh, the angel is saying, uh, the one to be born of your womb, he will be great and will be called son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And so it's like, okay, this whole promise to David is taking place through the child that Jesus is go uh, that Mary's going to bear. Mm. And Mary becomes the house. Oh, yeah. So, so... David wanted to build a house for, for the ark, and God said, I'll build a house for you. But then Mary becomes the house for God. It's like extreme makeover home edition. <laughs> that is actually a wonderful image. Extreme, extreme makeover. Extreme makeover home biblical edition. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mary is the dwelling place. And so I, I think I'll probably, I'm not sure yet, my homily is still just coming together. Yeah. And if people are not listening to this till Saturday morning, they'll worry my homily's not together. No, this is Tuesday morning. We, <laughs> but, but my homily... They're holding I'm, their breath. I'm thinking about where does God dwell now? Where does God dwell? You know, what is the house of God now? Mm -hmm. Well, there's where, where are you going with that? I mean, you could go literally that God obviously dwells in our churches, in the tabernacles, but he also dwells within us through... Baptism and the sacraments. And, and that's literal, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yes, and yes, and yes. And not just individually, but collectively. But I don't want to give it all away. People won't come to something you got to tune in this weekend. Yeah, you can hear more in a few days. <laughs> or I may take a left turn and go somewhere else altogether. But at least you're starting to think about it. That, that's a great reflection, you know. And how often do we treat... Any of the places that we know that God dwells, you know, in in the earth, in creation, in one another, in ourselves, do we treat it with the respect of the artwork? Do we treat it with the respect of, you know, the the chalice that you were talking about that is adorned with, you know, rubies and the finest gold? Uh, because in God's eyes, we are being made in his image and likeness that we are um, just as beautiful. Well, you know, in our 
four pillars of this parish, which we had from the first mass on August 21st, mm -hmm. 2005. I remember that. The very first one is reverence. Yeah. And we said, it's reverence for God and a deep reverence. That doesn't mean how often we bow or bow our heads or uh, kneel or genuflect, but that reverence of seeing God uh, present and reverence for all that is godly, including God's creation. Yeah. So it's a reverence for other people. It's a reverence for the, the world that God created. So this is God's dwelling place, and we want to revere it. Even the people that we may not agree with, even the people that we may not necessarily like or that don't like us, it's still important. And, and that's why it is so bad, so bad when we lash out at people. Um, I, I remember when I was in grade school, the teachers would regularly say things like, you know, because people would, little kids, they called each other's names. Uh, I don't know if they do that anymore, but certainly in my generation, they called each other names. Sure. Uh, you know, it might only be one kid in the class who wears glasses, and so somebody makes fun of their glasses yeah. or whatever. But anyway, the teacher would always say, sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt. Yeah. And I discovered afterwards that that's not true. <laughs> Teacher, you're wrong. Yeah, I'm going to go back and tell those teachers. <laughs> uh, but words do hurt. Yeah, Calling people names, making fun of people, uh, putting people down, that is, that is really deplorable. Yeah. It's, it's got to be unacceptable. And nowadays it's so magnified because it's not just literal playground ridicule. It's very public on the Internet or wherever it may be, yeah. you know, um, that we can tear people down. And then, you know, we become more polarized as humans. And how do you how do you respect somebody or show reverence for somebody when you you violently disagree with their opinion? How do you? I, I don't know if I have the answer, but I do know that sometimes the you, you can find some common ground with some people. Mm hmm. Uh, with sometimes you can say, okay, we both want what's, let's use the example of the country. We both want what's good for the country. Sure. Now, we may have a whole different advantage, uh, vantage point of how we look at that. Uh, but, or we might say, well, we both believe that Christmas needs to be celebrated with authenticity. Mm -hmm. But what do we mean by authenticity? You know, as we're preparing for our Christmas celebrations here at the parish, one of the words that has been brought up is unity, that we hope through our Christmas celebrations that we are united, whether we're here in the church or watching from home, uh, whether we um, agree with the people that we're sitting next to or not, um, that by celebrating the incarnation, that we can be united, that God came for all of us, right? God sent his son for each and every person. Yeah. I remember being at a parish some years ago, and it was a parish of great diversity. And I loved looking out in the pews and seeing people that were highly educated, highly sophisticated, uh, shoulder to shoulder with uh, maybe high school dropouts, laborers, uh, that there was diversity of race, diversity of language. There were, that parish had a number of immigrants from different countries of the world. Mm. And they, they, they seemed to get along so well. They, they had respect for each other, and it was never like a one-upmanship, you know. 
you know, I'm more educated or I've got more income or I've got, uh, I work harder than you or whatever. Uh, it could have gone that route, yeah. but I never saw that. But I think today what we have to do is it's not that kind of diversity. It's more of a diversity of ideals and uh, viewpoints. I'm becoming more and more convinced that we are sh being shaped not by our ideals, but by the information we receive. And I think we have to be extremely careful of our intake. Sure. Remember the old expression, you are what you eat? Yeah. Unfortunately, our minds are becoming what we, we are, what we listen to. Yes. There's a great documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma that talks just about this, how, you know, our social media and the internet ha has, feeds us things that either we agree with to continue to uh, feed us those things so we'll click or purposely sends us things that we will disagree with so that we'll um, be more polarized in our reaction to it. It's very interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. You know, I think the, the, the takeaway for me at the end of this gospel reading this weekend is Mary's simple statement at the very end. Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And I'm emphasizing the word your, because she didn't say, may it be done according to my word, or just the people's yeah. words that I agree she with. She didn't say, good idea, Gabe, but uh, let's do it this way instead. <laughs> Poor Gabe and his nickname. But yeah, it may be done to me according to your word. There's vulnerability in that. It's complete trust of placing, placing oneself in the hands of another. Uh, I've been teaching my daughter Audrey how to do trust falls, and so, <laughs> so she will. She trusts me implicitly, but she'll just come up to me and say, "Dad, I'm trusting you. I'm falling, and I have to catch her every time." Uh, so may we trust God in the same way that He will catch us every time. Wow! Can I have you come up and give that as part of the homily Sunday? Uh, it's done. Let it happen. Unless my house burns down from the Advent wreath, it's very, <laughs> very possible. Hey guys, we'll see you this weekend for the fourth Sunday of Advent. God bless.